All right, if you turn in your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, as we fastly approach the Easter season, I want to spend the next several weeks talking to you about some of the events that surrounded our Lord's passion, our Lord's death, and our Lord's resurrection. And uh, so let's notice Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to notice verses 36 down to verse uh, 45. And I want to talk to you about how Jesus dealt with sorrow. How Jesus dealt with sorrow. And so let's notice Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to begin reading in verse 36. And if you would, let's go ahead and stand out of reverence and respect for God's holy and inspired word. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Let's once again look to our Lord. Father, as we bow before you, we thank you that when we go through sorrow and heartache that you know what we experience. And Father, I thank you that as Jesus entered into his time of, of grief and sorrow, I thank you, Father, that he prevailed. And I thank you that you strengthened him so that he might go to the cross and bear our sins and die so that we could have eternal life. Father, I know that we'll never fully understand what Jesus experienced here or what he experienced at the cross. And, and I'm just so grateful for that because it just means that we saved. But I pray for that person that's here today that's lost, that they would turn from their sin to receive you. And I, and I pray for that person that's here today that's just burdened down, hurting on the inside, that you would deliver them as well that we could leave here rejoicing in what a wonderful Savior that we have in Christ. So, Father, just anoint this service and have your way, and we'll thank you for all you do, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen.
When I was a kid, I used to think that if I could just become an adult, my life would never have a problem. I mean, I could do whatever I wanted to do. I could eat whatever I wanted to eat. I could go to bed whenever I wanted to. I, and I used to think that from that point forward, from the time that I got out on my own, everything would be wonderful, that I would rejoice and I would just live the life of Riley. Life's not that way, though, is it? Life has its pleasures. Life has its moments when we're going to rejoice and have a wonderful time. But life is also full of sorrow. Because death is a fact of life, we've all known the sorrow of losing a loved one and standing at a gravesite. The first Christmas that Becky and I were married together, we buried a three-month-old baby on Christmas Eve. It had a tendency to kind of put a damper on Christmas in our community. And as I stood at the graveside of that, uh, that grief-stricken family as their pastor, their little 20-year-old pastor, it was beyond me to say what needed to be said to comfort that family because they were full of sorrow. They were full of grief. And not only do we, do we sorrow over the loss of loved ones, we've also all known the sorrow and grief of making bad decisions. You know, when you're a young person, maybe you don't know what it's like to make a lot of bad decisions. But when you get as old as I am now, you can look back on your life and say, I made some really good decisions and I've made some really bad decisions. All of us have made bad decisions. Decisions we regret. Some of those decisions were minor. I look back and say, well, you know, that Hugo I bought, that was really a bad decision. But it was kind of a minor decision. Some of the decisions that we make have consequences that can bring sorrow. And that sorrow may last a lifetime. Some, some are here in this room today and you look back on your life and you can see some decisions that you made and, and those decisions, even now when you think about them, you, you kind of just bow your head and say, man, how could I have been so stupid? We've also known the sorrow of broken relationships. How many of us have seen misunderstanding between two friends that, that broke that friendship and now there's not friendship there, there's animosity. And two people who were friends maybe for years are now enemies. Won't even shake hands, won't have nothing to do with each other. That's what I call a heartbreak. That's what I call decisions that led to sorrow. We've also known the sorrow of broken homes and wayward children. And these are the kind of broken relationships that can bring the strongest person even to the depths of tears. One of the saddest things that I see in the Bible is when David stood outside the gates of the city of Jerusalem and wept for his son and said, Absalom, Absalom, oh Absalom, my son, would God I had died in your stead. And probably every parent knows the heartache that's come from when children make decisions that maybe we don't agree with. And children make bad decisions, but the unfortunate part about our children growing up is we can't make the decisions for them anymore. They get to make decisions. And maybe sometimes they make decisions that are really boneheaded decisions, like joining the Marines. 
But those are decisions they get to make. But they can leave us filled with sorrow. They can leave us hurting. And we've even seen the sorrow that takes place when churches divide and even split. Well, in those times when we're filled with sorrow and heartache, you know, we just need to look to Jesus. The Bible says that he was a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. Now, when I think of Jesus, I think of the joy of the Lord, don't you? When I think of Jesus, I think of the most well-balanced person who ever lived. And yet the Bible says he was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. And as Jesus carried his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane, he was weighed down and he was burdened with sorrow as he went into that garden. Jesus says here, in verse 38, he says, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Now, now one of the things I think that Jesus was, was weighed down with sorrow about was the fact that, that, that as he thought about the cross, he was also having to think about the sin that made that cross necessary. You know, we take sin so lightly. And sometimes we just sin and we don't even give a thought about it. But the Bible says that sin grieves God. It burdens God. It causes Him to weep. And, and as Jesus prepared to go to the cross to pay for our sin, He looked around Him and He saw some sinful things that must have brought sorrow to His heart. For one thing, Jesus saw the sinful pride in His own disciples. Now keep in mind, this is the Last Supper. Jesus knew that he was going to the cross and he sat down with his disciples one last time. And as he sat down with his disciples that one last time, he was trying to teach them about what was going to take place. This is the bread of my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. This is the blood of the New Testament which is given for you. And, and as he gave the Last Supper and the Lord's Supper with him, he was trying to teach them of the, uh, of the sacrifice and of the, uh, of the sorrow that he was fixing to go to as he went to the cross. And as he taught them that, you would have thought maybe they'd have had prayer about that. Disciples didn't do that. You'd have thought that maybe the disciples would have said, Lord, is there anything we can do to help you? Didn't do that either. You know what the disciples were doing when Jesus was trying to teach them about the cross? They were arguing over who was going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Jesus' heart was breaking. Jesus' heart was full of knowing what he was going to take place. And the disciples were arguing about, hey, man, I think I ought to be greatest in the kingdom, don't you? You know, that attitude was totally opposite of all that Jesus had tried to teach these men in, in over three years because Jesus in three years' time had continually taught them, hey, fellas, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to become a servant. That's why he washed their feet when they came to that Last Supper. But it just kind of went over their head. Have you ever been in church and what the preacher said just kind of went over your head? I can see some of you are that way right now. But that kind of sinful pride of arguing about who was the best must have brought sorrow to Jesus' heart. 
And you know, even today sometimes we see that kind of sinful pride and that sinful ambition in the church. And sometimes we see that sinful pride and ambition just kind of spill over where it brings conflict within the church and it brings division within the church. And let's remember something. Jesus didn't go to the cross just to die for the adulterers and just to die for the drunkards and just to die for the liars. Jesus had to go to the cross and die for this, the sinful pride that we sometimes see in the church. He had to go for that too. And, and as Jesus thought about going to the cross, he could see some of the very sin here that he was going to have to die for. I, I think also Jesus was also reflecting on the unbelief of the city of Jerusalem. Remember when Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem, he, he stood outside the city and the Bible says he wept. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, would God that I had gathered you together as a hen gathers all of her chicks, but you would have none of it. Jesus wanted to save Jerusalem. Jesus wanted to bring them into the kingdom, but they wanted none of it. That's why the Bible says that Jesus came into his own and his own received him not. And I believe that rejection broke his heart and left him filled with sorrow. Folks, have you ever been rejected before? When I was a teenager, guys, I was a real nerd in school. Now, I know some of you can't believe that, right? And I can remember the many, time, the many times I would call and try to get a date and some of the ugly things these girls said to me. And when I went back for my 30th reunion, I walked in proudly. I mean, but have you ever been rejected? Mike, I wouldn't go out with you if you were the last guy that was living. That's rejection. How about this one? You're about as cool as a pair of thermal underwear in the summertime. Don't ever use that on a guy now. That's rejection and it hurts. And Jesus came unto his own and they rejected him. Not by telling him to get lost, they rejected him by putting him on a cross, by taking his life. Can you imagine the hurt and the sorrow that came from knowing that the people that he came to to offer himself up to hated him and put him on a cross? But Jesus also knew that that rejection was going to lead to their destruction. And that brought him sorrow. See, listen, Jesus wants to save men. Jesus wants to forgive men. But there's one thing Jesus can't forgive, and that's unbelief. There's one thing Jesus can't forgive, and that's the rejection of him as their Savior. And Jesus knows that when someone rejects him, they're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And folks, listen, that breaks Christ's heart because he loves mankind and wants to see mankind saved. So Jesus looked at the, he looked at the rejection of Jerusalem, and it just filled him with sorrow. Because Jesus grieves over the sin of mankind. I also think that Jesus was sorrowful because of he knew what it was going to take to save us from our sin. Jesus was the perfect son of God. And he was going to have to take the weight and the burden of sin upon himself and carry that to the cross. Listen, 
Jesus who knew no sin, all of our sin, past, present, and future, all of their sin, all of our sin, all of the sin pre- uh, of the generation preceding us and the sin of the generation preceding that, all of the sin of all mankind was going to be transferred and placed upon his shoulders. Now, folks, that, was an, that would be enough to burden us down to start with, wouldn't it? Have you ever had something put on your shoulders that just burdened you down? Hmm? Jeremy was telling me not too long ago that and when they went through the crucible in the Marine Corps, they had to carry all of their, their, their weight, their pack on them as they did this. And he said there were a couple of three guys that actually had their, their shoulders that, that were dislocated because they couldn't carry that weight like they needed to. And I got to thinking about that. That must have hurt. But here was Jesus the weight of the sins of the world now placed upon his shoulders as he went to the cross. There was that burden. There was that sorrow. Jesus not only took our sin, but the Bible says he became sin for us. And in doing so, Jesus experienced something he had never experienced before. See, Jesus was sinless, and because he was sinless, he had never had to experience guilt before. He had never had to experience shame before. He had never had to experience separation from the Father before. And Jesus carried that burden to the cross and there he endured punishment for us. Listen, Jesus suffered everything on the cross that we would suffer if we went to hell. Now I want you to think about that. Let that sink in. Jesus experienced everything on the cross that we would experience if we went to hell. We'll never know the agony that Christ experienced at the cross unless you reject him. Now, if you reject him, you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. But if you received him as Savior, those of us that know Christ as Savior, we'll never, we'll never know the agony that Christ experienced at that cross because he delivered us from it by going to the cross. But you know, it's Jesus that night in Gethsemane looked at man's sin and then he realized what it was going to take to pay for man's sin. He was sorrowful even unto death. Now, folks, I want you to notice how Jesus dealt with that sorrow. Because there's sorrow that we experience in the life that we need to deal with. Jesus dealt with his sorrow by seeking comfort and fellowship with the disciples. I mean, he took the disciples with him to Gethsemane, did he not? And then when he got there, he said, there's three of you guys I want to take with me into the inner part of the garden, and I want you to pray with me. And that was Peter and James and John. They seem to be the inner circle that that loved the Lord the most. He said, I want to take you with me. Now, I believe one of the reasons he took them is because after all, he was going to the cross for them, wasn't he? And surely they could share in his sorrow as he poured out his heart to the Father. Surely they could do that. As Jesus carried them there, fellas, I'm going to die for you on the cross. I've been telling you that all night long. So why don't you go with me into the garden? And I want you to pray with me because my heart is just filled with sorrow. You know what they did when they got into the garden? They were good Baptists. They went to sleep. 
Jesus began to pray, and they began to snore. Now, I used to really be judgmental about these men until I went to a prayer meeting one night in Shreveport. I had been up with our RA boys all night in our RA camp out, stayed up with them during the day, and we had a prayer meeting for revival that night, so I went and washed and cleaned up and went right to the to prayer meeting. And you know, when you're the preacher, you're always the last one to pray. So the first person began to pray, and the next thing I knew, Brother Mike, it's your turn. I slept through the entire prayer meeting. And I was reminded of this incident here. Jesus' heart was breaking, but they went to sleep. They failed him. And I believe one of the reasons why they failed him is they didn't share his burden. Now listen, there are times when we need others to encourage us, isn't there? There are some things that we don't want to go through alone. And there are times we need people to encourage us. The Bible says that we're to edify, we're to build up one another. And the Bible says that we're to bear one another's burdens. Isn't that true? I mean, that's one of the purposes of the church. One of the purposes of the church is when, when, when we're down is we're to build up one another and we're to encourage one another. And we really need to be thankful for those that are involved in encouraging others. But you know, there are times when we seek encouragement, we don't find it. Sometimes that's because... People have their own problems and they're so busy dealing with their own problems they haven't got time for anybody else's problems. Hmm? Have you ever felt that way? They got problems, they ought to know about my problems. And so we don't have time to encourage. Some, sometimes we don't understand what that other person's going through, so we don't know how to encourage them. I mean, the first time that I had that funeral on Christmas Eve, Folks, I didn't know what, I couldn't understand what they were going through. They'd lost a child. Becky and I had been married three months. I mean, you know, how was I going to understand that? Now, after we lost our first one, I can understand. I can be a better encourager. But I felt so weak. I felt so helpless trying to help them to, to get through that period of time in their life. And sometimes the reason we don't encourage one another, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to say it. We don't want to say the wrong thing. I mean, have you ever been in the hospital before and somebody comes in and says, yeah, my daddy looked like that right before he died. That, that's not encouragement when you're in the hospital. And so there's sometimes we don't know how to encourage people. And then sometimes, let's be honest, we just don't care. And there are a lot of folks that just don't care. Now, folks, Jesus knows what it's like to turn to someone and not have those needs met. His heart was breaking. And what did his disciples do? They went to sleep. So Jesus dealt with his sorrow by turning to the Heavenly Father in prayer. Now, folks, let's, let's notice something about Jesus here. Jesus was, first of all, honest and open with the Heavenly Father. He came to the Father and said, Lord, if there's any other way, 
Lord, I've seen what the cross is coming to. It's going to be a place of shame. It's going to be a place of agony. It's going to be a place where I'm cut off from you. It's going to be a place where the world's sins are going to be laid upon my shoulders. Lord, if there's any other way, find it. That's honesty, isn't it? That's just honesty. And you know, we really need to be honest when we come before the Lord. I mean, God knows about us anyway, doesn't he? But how many of us sometimes want to fake God out? God, here I am today. I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) And inside we're about to come apart. What's wrong with coming to God and saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it another day if you don't do something in my life. God, I don't know why this has happened to me, but Lord, I need you. Lord, I don't, you know, what's wrong with being honest with God? Hmm? God wants us to be. And the Bible says he's touched with our infirmity or he's touched with our weaknesses. So listen, it's all right to tell God, God, I'm hurting. God, I'm confused. God, I I don't know why this is happening to me. Folks, if you, you've been there. I started to say if you've never been there, but you've been there. How many of you have been there to where you say, God, I'm, I'm confused. I mean, I'm doing my very best to serve you and everything else is going on. Why don't you let it happen to somebody else out here? Hmm? I've, have you ever looked at your life and said, Lord, th- this would be a perfect trial for Saddam Hussein. Let it happen to him. We just need to come to God and be honest with God. And I believe that's what it means when the Bible says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And as Jesus prayed, the Bible says the Father ministered unto him. The book of Luke tells us that God sent an angel to him and that angel strengthened him. Now the Bible tells us that angels are God's ministering spirits to those of us that that know him as Savior. Now, we can't see angels, can we? Some of you guys are going to say, yes, we can. I married one. I had a fellow tell me that one time, and he said, yep, that's because she's always up in the air harping about something. Um, (laughs) We can't see angels, but I'm fully persuaded that God sends his angels to strengthen us. I'm fully persuaded that God sends his angels to protect us. I'm fully persuaded that God sends his angels to encourage us. And that's what God did here with with, with his son, Jesus. An angel came and strengthened him. And Jesus was then given the peace and the courage to bear the burden. And folks, I believe as we endure our sorrows, Jesus can also give us the peace that passes all understanding. I've been at the bedside of many a person that was dying or the family around them. And many times I've said, I don't know how I'd get through that. And they had a peace that just passed understanding. It was miraculous because it had been given to them by God himself. And that's the the way our God is. God's not going to always deliver us from sorrow, but he may deliver us through it. And give us a peace that passes understanding. And not only that, God can give us the assurance of his presence. Do you remember when the apostle Paul was in that ship that was about to sink and everybody was scared to death? Paul shows up on the deck and said, fellas, listen, it's all right. God has given me the assurance he's with us. 
That's why David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? You're with me. You're with me. You'll take care of me. And his promise of things working for our good can become a reality as he carries us through the sorrow. Listen, we all have times of trial and even sorrow. But Jesus knows how we feel. He knows it. And he can give us the comfort as we turn to him. There's a story of a Christian soldier back in the 1800s. And he was on a sailing ship going to America. Back in those days, sailing ships were sailing ships, sails. They didn't have motors to propel those ships. And they were small little wooden ships that, man, you'd get seasick on, I'm persuaded. And as this ship was crossing the Atlantic Ocean, they got into a storm and the storm began to just beat that ship around. And, and, and as he and his family were on the ship, they noticed him that he had just a peace and a calm about himself as he, as he sat over there and he was just reading his Bible quietly. And, and finally his wife got a little frustrated with him. And she went over there to him and said, Don't you realize we're about to die? said, this ship is going up and down and everywhere has got a leak in it and, and, and how can you sit there and just be so still and quiet while we're about to go under? And he drew his sword out and pointed it at her. How many of you guys would have done that? Now, we're not going there. All right, we're going somewhere else here. But he pulled his sword out and he pointed it at her and said, honey, are you afraid of me? Do, do you believe that I'll take my sword and ram you through with it? She said, well, no. I said, well, why not? said, you love me. You wouldn't do that to me. And he put his sword up, picked up his Bible, and he said, you know, the God that controls this storm also loves me. And he's not going to let me go under, and if he does, he'll be there with me, and we'll wake up in heaven anyway. So why worry? Now, folks, when we're sorrowful, the sorrow is real. The hurt is real. Don't ever think when you're hurting it's not real. It is. Don't deny the pain. Don't deny the hurt. Don't deny the sorrow. But don't deny the one who can dry the tears either. And don't deny the one that can give us peace that passes understanding. And don't deny the one who will be with us through it all. Because one day there's coming a time when Jesus is going to dry all tears and sorrow. The Bible talks about that in eternity. One of the first things we're going to do when we get to heaven, you know what it is? We're going to crawl up in the lap of Jesus and he's going to wipe away all of the tears and all of the sorrow. How many of you when you were kids and you'd get beat up by the bully at school would go home and crawl up in mama's lap and let her rock you? Anybody? Am I the only mama's boy in here? Folks, that's what Jesus is going to do. And that's why he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And in our mansion, we're going to find comfort and peace. Folks, if you're hurting today, Jesus understands. Turn to him. Let him dry the tears. 
Let him give you comfort. Let him give you the assurance of his presence and the assurance of his peace. Father, we come before you today and we we have to admit to you that we're frail and we're weak. And we have to admit to you, Father, that there are times that we just don't understand why we go through what we go through. Father, we have to admit there are times we don't understand why we get sick. Father, we admit to you there are times we don't understand why we have family problems. Father, we admit there are times we don't understand why we have financial problems. There are times that we just don't understand why there's injustice in the world. Father, I'm grateful that you understand us. And you understand when we don't understand. And we just pray now that you would move in this congregation in a mighty way. There are people that are hurting here today. And I pray that you'd give them comfort and peace. And Father, there are people here today that don't understand eternity because they're lost. And I pray now that you'd reach out to that person and help them to see that their sin was carried to the cross by Jesus. And Father, help them to see that they need to turn to you now for forgiveness for cleansing, for a new beginning through Jesus Christ. Father, this service is yours. Use it as as you desire to use it. And we'll thank you for what you do, for it's in Jesus' name.